You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. morning. Um, man, after a communion message like that and the worship we had, I feel like we can just go right into ministry time and who needs to do any more talking. Um, but as they're collecting the offering, I kind of just want um, uh, to speak with Val and Bobby a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're just really highlighted to me during worship this morning. Um, I just wanted to encourage you that I feel like God's saying he's really happy with the growth in your relationship this year and that he is I just see a big worship like just written all over you Um, and not only is that going to be personal in your marriage but I also think it's going to play a role here corporately Um, and so is it okay if we just pray into that a little bit I don't have any supervision or anything like that but um, um Father, I just thank you for this couple. I thank you for the heart that you have blessed them with. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to do life with them. And I just release um, what you're doing in their lives over them. Pay a strength in their gifting, a strength in their boldness. Um, and just pray over their marriage, Father. We thank you for your goodness. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. All right. So, um, I just want to start off by thanking a bunch of people, um, keeping things nice and easy this morning. Uh, Jeff, Bruce, Charlisa, Jenny, uh, Dan Verhelst, uh, who's not able to make it here this morning, but we're certainly continuing to pray for him and his recovery, and Callie for giving me this opportunity to share with you. Um, there have been so many people who invested so much prayer, time, and energy to get me to where I'm at today. Um, it's just incredible. Um, we'll forever be grateful for those people. And also want to thank you as the church family for welcoming my wife Kate and I in here with open arms, allowing us to experience Jesus with you and uh, do life together. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I do. Am I speaking loud enough, Jeff? <laughs> See, give me that ear over there. <laughs> um, I know I may come off as quiet and kind of reserved and tend to like to be for myself, but I do love getting to know each and every one of you. I'm looking forward to continue to do that in 2022. Um, Love hearing your stories, being able to come alongside you in whatever capacity I can, and I'm going to definitely try to be more intentional with that. A little bit more about me. I was blessed to have amazing parents growing up. I've known about Jesus my entire life. Um, Went to the same church since I since I was in third grade all the way through to when I moved down here. Um, Love my siblings. I have a younger sister and an older brother as well. Just got to spend some time with them. That was a great time of refreshing um, and good family time as well. I will say that Neva would have hated me in children's ministry because I was the one who wouldn't participate in anything and thought it was all childless, even though it was four children. Um, she probably would. So my parents, I talked with my parents about it, and they made an agreement with me that said, you don't have to go to children's ministry, but if you come to the sermon, you have to tell us three things that you learned on the way home. 
So for the first five minutes, I paid really close attention to get the three minute, three takeaways and promptly fell asleep for the rest of the sermon. Uh, once I got older, my pastor did eventually ask me, was I praying or was I sleeping? And I did answer honestly and told him I was sleeping through his sermons. But <laughs> needless to say, it was probably not surprising to hear that my faith was pretty inconsistent throughout most of my life. Um, sometimes I was all on fire, going for Jesus, reading my Bible, um, praying for people. But uh, there was also times in my life where I didn't care one bit. I was all wrapped up in video games and sports and um, having fun with my friends. Um, it was pretty much that way until I turned 18, and then uh, things got real bad real quick. Uh, I didn't care about anything or anyone, and that lasted for about three years, unfortunately. Uh, and I'll show some more details about that later on. Um, but once I was rescued from that, I did start attending church, and I was on fire for God. Um, did everything I could. Um, ended up getting on staff as an administrative assistant and eventually a youth director as well for a year and a half. During that time, I was preparing to plant a church. I was going to church conferences, uh, meeting with leaders within the Vineyard Church, um, but it turned out that wasn't quite the right timing, wasn't the right fit, uh, so I decided to transition into furniture sales because that's a smooth transition. Um, I have this knack for choosing things that I have no experience at all in as for careers go, so if the furniture sales game doesn't work out, I'll probably transition to be a farmer is my, my next guess. Um, I'm already anticipating Dave, Mo Dave Muth and I getting into some uh, farmer feuds over land disputes. Uh, be the modern day Hatfield and McCoys. <laughs> Although Knutsvig and Muth probably won't get a Netflix spe special. Doesn't have the same uh, ring to it <laughs> there. Um, anyway, Charlisa called me about a month ago and asked if I was willing to give a message. Mind you, I just told myself I need to start saying yes more and get more involved in the church. So I was like, oh, I should have said next year I'll do that. Um, so I followed through. I was like, yeah, I would, I would love to take the time, spend some time with you this morning, share uh, what God's placing on my heart. I asked her if she had any, any ideas, anything she wanted me to say. She said, no, just uh, share whatever God puts on your heart. And I said, okay, whatever you say. Um, this may come as a surprise to you as well, but I'm not one that likes to use a lot of words to communicate. Um, so being who I am, I uh, Googled, how long does it take to fill a 45-minute sermon? <laughs> Any guesses of how many words the average person speaks in 45 minutes? 5,850 words. I don't know if I've spoken that many in my entire time here. Um, at the vineyard. <laughs> at school, that would be a, write a 10-page assignment, and I would get five pages in, and I'd be done. Start tinkering with the margins, increase the font size to 12.2, add in a few more ands, and I'm at six pages, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Turn it in, good information, need more. Um, pretty much a consistent theme throughout my schooling. Um, so if you want to chime in, have any questions, There'll be space for that. <laughs> oh, man, what did we get myself into here? Um, so this morning is probably going to look a little bit, little bit different. Uh, i try to make it a little bit more relaxed and just really share what God's placing on my heart and provide some freedom for the Holy Spirit to move to the best of my abilities, but I do have some control issues that I'm working on. Um, 
Before we get into the message, I do want to share, I like to share God's testimony of his goodness as part of the sermon. Um, when I went up to visit my family, uh, there was another family that we did, have done life with for many, many years, it's the Spangers. Uh, Dave Spanger uh, was scheduled to go in for uh, surgery to put a stint in for his heart. He had a couple other ones already put in, so it wasn't a big deal to him, but he figured he may as well go ahead and pray, get healing for it, and um, see what happens. He didn't have some miraculously prayer that falls on the ground or anything like that, um, but he was obedient. He listened to what God was putting on his heart, received prayer. Day of the surgery comes, they go in, and he swears as they're putting him under, the doctor's like, there's no more blockage. There's no more blockage. They check the other stents, and they're like, there's no blockage over here either. There's no need for any of them. So um, God is good. He has done it once. He can do it again. Uh, so if you have any sort of heart surgery, stent plans in the future, I highly encourage you to uh, get prayer this morning for that. Um, amen. So this morning, I feel like I finally got permission to share a vision I had when, when I first attended this church. Uh, it was probably second or third Sunday I had this vision. This is something that's been um, on my heart and on my mind for how long has it been now? A year and a half? Probably that long. I've been kind of stewing on this and brewing on it. And the vision was of a man who was below deck in one of those old-fashioned ships um, who needed the oars to row. It was him, and there was just rows and rows and rows of rows of more men doing the same exact thing. They're, they all just had their head down, trying to get from point A to point B. And as you looked out through the tiny hole, uh, where you can see out into the ocean, you could see that it was a giant storm, torrential downpours, giant waves. Uh, for those of you who have seen the movie The Perfect Storm, pretty similar to that, but they're in this old school rickety boat. Um, and as I was looking around down below deck, you could just get this, I think it's Proverbs is it 1312 or 1213? I can't, can't remember now. It talks about how the hope deferred makes the heart sick. And you could tangibly feel the sickness in this boat. No thought of a different life. Their only responsibility was hanging on to that oar, keeping the motion going, and staying in that seat. It is quite sad. But as, as, he was, as this man was rowing, he decided to turn his head a little bit. He didn't just keep it down anymore. Something in him prompted him to look out into the storm. And as he peered through that opening, through all the waves, through all the rain, through the wind, he could see a, fig a person out there shining brightly, radiantly out on the water. The man couldn't take his eyes off of him. There was a tugging on his heart to go out and be with that person. So he set down his oar for the first time. He stood up, he walked up, and just hopped over the ledge, went out on the water. <sighs> this, this gets me every time. He knew that just being able to spend a second with that person out on the water would be better than a lifetime spent continuing to row, sitting in that one seat. His eyes and his heart were fixed on him. There was nothing else that he wanted to be. And you could feel the sickness and the heaviness 
be washed off him as like a shedding of, a, of his old self, a shedding of his old self just washing away in the middle of the ocean. A sense of peace, fullness, and confidence. Um, the type of feeling that would allow you to sit in the tree stand for hours on end or dance like David did in the streets. Whatever feeling that was, was what this person was experiencing. This vision really hit home for me. I thought, God, that's, that's amazing. That's speaking to me right there. Um, I need to set down my roar, stop my energy. Stop wasting my energy, uh, rowing in this middle of the storm, not going anywhere. Um, but Jesus was calling me to a different lifestyle, releasing that control, drawing near to him. All, like, it was just, everything was just hidden home for me. Um, I hate to say it, but it really wasn't enough. There was so much stirring in my heart that I could not settle on that um, interpretation of the dream. So I began t talking with God about it, asking him, what's going on here? Why did you share this with me? What am I missing here? It's, uh, it's just weird, because it really felt like everything was just hidden home with me. And I felt like God said, the man is not just you. The man is a representation of the type of individual I am looking for. So my obvious question is, okay, who are you seeking? What type of person are you looking for? I felt like he very specifically told me he's looking for peculiar pioneers. I believe he's calling me and our tribe here at Mason City to be peculiar pioneers for our community. A unified family who are seeing lives changed by the unchanging living word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, allowing us to uh, partner with God through miracles, signs, and wonders casting out demons, baptizing people, and teaching people how to obey God. Because I want to see more of the kingdom of God reign here in our city. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so let's unpack this together. Uh, pursue together side by side. I'm still discovering what all this means. This isn't just a one-off message. This is something I'm going to continue to press into to pursue. Because um, we're not about just getting to heaven right. We want to bring heaven here to earth. And for you Bible-savvy individuals out there, uh, this vision probably made you think of Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. It says, as soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to go into their boat to go to the other side of the lake while, they stayed, while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up to the hills to pray. As night fell, he was there praying alone. But the disciples who were now in the middle of the lake ran into trouble for their boat was tossed about by high winds and heavy seas. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus told them, Jesus came to them walking out on the waves. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, a ghost. The, then Jesus said, be brave and do not be afraid. I am here. Peter shouted out, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Jesus replied with, come and join me. Now, another translation of that says, go for it. And uh, I found that's mostly how God communicates to me. <laughs> Should I go pray for someone? Go for it. Why not? Should I go on this mission trip? Go for it. Um, if you have the heart posture of wanting to obey God, wanting to draw near to God, go for it. Um, 
and you'll continue to walk more and more in step with him, and he may even come alongside you if you miss the mark a little bit, but your heart's in the right place. Um, so take risks and be bold and go for it. That will kind of be a theme throughout the rest of the sermon. Um, so Peter stepped out on the water and began to walk towards Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cries out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand, lifted him up, and said, What little faith you have. Why, did, why would you let doubt win? Ever got, had that happen? Feel like you're walking with God, going and do, doing something crazy, and all of a sudden you look around like, What the heck am I doing here? Um, yeah, that certainly happened to me when I was in Mexico quite often. Um, but continuing on in verse 32, at, in the very moment they were both, at the, in the very moment they both stepped into the boat and the raging wind ceased, then all the disciples bowed down before him and worshiped Jesus. They said in adoration, you are truly the son of God. So with this scripture, with this vision, there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, we can talk about faith, action, fear, doubt, worship, prayer, taking risks, being bold. Um, but we're only gonna cover a couple things here this morning. Like I said, this is by no means a comprehensive list. Um, we're going to continue to figure this out as we go. Uh, this is, like I said, what God's placing on my heart, what he's speak, speaking to me, what he's convicting me of, um, and I'm just inviting you to come alongside because I feel like God's also um, speaking the same message to many people here. Um, so number one, if you're taking notes, faith-filled is number one. I felt drawn to the book of Exodus during this when I was praying about um, being and becoming more faith-filled. So Exodus 3 is, this is where Moses speaks to God through the burning bush. God asks Moses to take off his sandals for he is on holy ground. Uh, says that he sees what's happening to people. And he's calling Moses to go to Pharaoh uh, to deliver his people. To which Moses says, who am I that I should do this? I'm sure many of you, like myself, have asked the same question. Who am I to be praying for someone next to me? Who am I to get up front and share a word that I feel God's placing on my heart? Who am I to walk up to some random stranger and start a conversation or pick up someone who's walking on the side of the road and bring them to church? You see, there are many people, just like the Jews, um, just like the Jews with Pharaoh, the men below deck in the vision, there are tons of hurting people out there and in this church who are so hungry to be delivered um, from what they're experiencing, to have their own exodus from religion, from being lethargic, uh, from depression, having so much control over their lives, the fear of man. Um, we want to see God move in mighty ways and deliver people from all that. So how does God respond to Moses' question? Anyone remember? That's right. I will be with you. There's no better way to answer that question. We tend to have short-term memory as soon as we encounter something challenging or difficult in our life. Did God really say that? And that's how often, when you look at the Bible, that's a lot of times how Satan tries to get us to slip and fall too. Did he really say that? Or if he did really say that, would you be experiencing this? Or would you want to do this? Um, So when that happens to you, that's your answer. 
God is with me and I trust him. I believe in him. I have faith that he is bigger than my weaknesses. I have faith that he is bigger than my shortcomings. Um, and if he feels like he, like if you feel like he has invited you to do something, you have the responsibility to honor that, to steward that well and share it at the appropriate time. Come ask Jeff, Charlisa, Bruce. If their answer is no, so what? You're right back to where you were at, right? But if their answer is yes, that is the Holy Spirit because it equips or encourages people, then you are literally pleasing God by blessing uh, and blessing his people by sharing it with us as a group or to that specific individual. I think it's a safe assumption that we all want to be pleasing to God, but realize if you don't and you hold that back, you are quenching the Holy Spirit from moving in this place. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So not only are we walking in faith when we respond to what God is doing, um, when we set down our oars, when we take a risk and go out in the water to be closer to him, we are also filling up the faith in others to go out and do the same thing. You can start to see how this culture begins to come to life. One person paves the way, another person sets down their oars. If they do it, I can do it. If God has helped them overcome all the stuff that they've been through, their lack of experience, their maybe lack of natural skills, why can't he do the same thing for me? And it continues to multiply and inspires more to join in. You might feel like I was the first time I was introduced to this more kingdom theology or prophetic words or visions or miracles. Um, that wasn't something I grew up with. That wasn't something that was natural or comfortable for me. So I want to encourage you as a way to start down this path, if it is new to you, by simply writing down your testimony. Really get specific with it. See how God has moved in your life, because that alone is a prophetic testimony, because like we've been saying this morning, if he's done it with them, he can do it again. And it's your story, so there's no screwing it up. <laughs> you don't have to spend a lot of time rehearsing it over and over again. You just have to be open, vulnerable, and share how he's helped you. It could be a, an amazing story of forgiveness, like Jeff shared the other week with his mother. It could be a healing experience like the Spangers. It could be a deliverance, or it could be a testimony of God's mercy and grace, like I tend to identify with in my story. And I want to hear your stories. If you, want to practice, if you do want to practice, share it with me. I enjoy listening a lot more than I do talking. <laughs> Tend to get in trouble when I talk too much. We have an opportunity every Sunday to become more and more filled with, great, filled with faith, declaring out the life that has been breathed back into us um, by the Holy Spirit through Jesus' sacrifice. John seven thirty eight says, Whoever believes in me, or Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Will flow from within them. It's not an outside source. It's not a sermon. It's not other people doing things for you. It's from within. So are we on board with seeking out more and more ways to become faith-filled come 2022 through our daily lives and in turn help others do the same?
Yep. Sweet. I'm by myself. That's cool. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so on to step number two. Intentional action is number two for those of you who are taking notes. We are called to a lifestyle of action if we want on earth to be as it is in heaven. We won't be able to accomplish that through our phones, through screen times, football. Um, those are more sedatives than they are energizers. They aren't evil themselves, but uh, do cause a lot of people to sin. It's going to take us moving out on that water, responding to God saying, go for it. So what do I mean by this purposeful action? Well, I'm a money guy, and so I kind of viewed it as budgeting financially, telling your money where to go. Okay, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to give, I'm going to budget for my bills and things like that, and by the end of the month, you know exactly where your money has gone because you have told it what to do. Same thing when it comes to doing life on purpose, being intentional. God, this is all yours, and start to break it down what this looks like through prayer, through action, and through um, counsel. If you're anything like me, when it comes to budgeting this out, I have to factor in, take two bold risks this month. That's in the budget. I have to go out and do it because <laughs> I agreed to this budget. Uh, so if it's not natural to you, feel free to budget in. And eventually you'll start to notice that you become naturally supernatural naturally supernatural. You don't have to have these big encounters, visions, falling down on the floor. Sharing that testimony to someone and seeing them respond through tears, seeing the Holy Spirit come and working in their life, just by sharing your testimony, you've engaged in natural, naturally supernatural because that work is being done in that person. Like I said, you don't have to do this all on your own. Um, I'm constantly talking with others, getting prayers. Proverbs talks a lot about how there's victory in counsel, so don't shy away from getting an outside perspective on this. Proverbs 21, also 21, 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. James 2, that's where it talks about tying our faith and our works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Um, this isn't, oh, I'm fully filled with faith, so God's going to take care of this all now. I don't have to do anything else. I can just hang out, say my prayers, and be good. It's developing this mindset that I know God is good, and because he is good, I am going to do this, even if I don't feel like it. Even if I don't feel like praying for someone, but it's on my heart to go pray for them, go for it. This is something I struggle with. I want to have the full picture before I go pray for someone. <laughs> I want to have a start, middle, and end, and then I can take the risk and go for it. But sometimes he's got to be a little bit more faith-filled than me and uh, go out and go for it. And when you're matching up your faith with your actions, evidence is surely to follow. That evidence is shown in the fruit of the Spirit that Jeff has shared about. That evidence is also showing in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, baptizing them in the name of the Father um, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. 
So again, a lot of action words there. Go, baptize, make, teach. Is this all starting to come together and make sense here? Matching faith and our actions. That fulfillment of the Great Commission isn't just for the pastors, not just for the elders or the person with the microphone. It's for everyone here. It's for every Christian out there. And if you're not doing these things and you are a Christian, you have to ask yourself, why? Is my faith lacking? Am I worried about what other people will think of me more than I am worried about following what the Holy Spirit is doing? I want to encourage you not to leave here this morning without getting that settled. It's too important for you and it's too important for us not to, get, uh, not to, go, not to go forward with that same mentality. I mentioned there were a few years, three years of my life where I shut myself off from God. I didn't say he doesn't exist or anything like that. I just didn't care about anything or anyone. I was living completely selfishly, wasting my life away playing video games, watching movies. My life was basically just a big garbage dump of sin and uselessness. But thankfully, God in his grace and mercy decided to save me one night. I just finished playing basketball. That was what I did. That was about the only time I got out of the place was to play basketball. Went out to my car, tried to start it, and it wouldn't start. And believe it or not, the person who um, lives as selfishly as I did didn't have any friends. It may surprise you, but um, people tend to not like that. Uh, my roommates were out of town, um, so I was like, I guess I'm sleeping in my car tonight. Um, I opened up my phone, started scrolling through my contacts, contacts, and uh, Dylan's name popped up. Dylan literally lived right next door. He went to my mom's daycare, so he's been the best friend since the day I was born. Mind you, I hadn't talked to him in over a year. You know, we always said growing up, if you ever need anything, just call. So I called him. <laughs> I was like, hey, remember that thing we always said to each other? Uh, well, I need some help. He was hanging out with friends, but he said, no worries, I'll come get you. So he came and picked me up, and I had him drive me all the way back to my place so I could shower, get comfy, before he drive all the way back to his place. Because um, that's what you do, right? When someone rescues you, you ask them to do more for you. <laughs> kind of a little example of how, where I was at mentally and state of selfishness and degree that, th that it was. But his friends eventually left, and he began asking me questions. Because he could tell I was not the same person I was growing up. And as he was asking me questions, I finally got to the point where I was like, do you just believe in confession? How <laughs> about I just share everything with you? And so for the first time in three years, I started to cry. And I opened up to someone and let, 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 let someone in so they could see who I exactly was. And this very wise man, he's like, okay, let's start praying. I have no idea how long I talked. Um, but he's like, okay, let's start praying. And so he started to pray for me. And as he was praying for me, um, he could feel what I was feeling and hear what I was thinking. Every time guilt, shame, condemnation, worthlessness would creep into my mind, he would pray against it right away. It was the most powerful one-on-one -on -one prayer that I've ever experienced. After he finally wrapped everything up, he's like, let's go see how funny God is. So we hopped in his rickety old Jeep, and he drove me out to my car, and it started on the first try. <laughs> I started laughing and crying again. 
So from there, I ended up quitting my job, moved back home, got involved in the church I grew up in, and I started saying yes to everything because I lived a life of no to everything. So I had to start moving, um, had to get up out of that seat like the man did in the vision and start moving. Volunteered at the church for 10 hours a week, took a job where I could listen to sermons, worship, and the auto Bible during my shift. My phone would only last for about eight hours into my 10-hour shift, so um, fortunately I couldn't utilize the last two hours. Um, and within the next year, I was on the prayer team, welcome team, uh, 10 days spent on a mission trip, became a youth group leader, all so I could start seeing what is God, what kind of gifts was sort of um, gifts as he blessed me with, how can I be utilized in his kingdom to bring more heaven to earth? Because I had no idea. Um, like I said, I was pretty casual throughout all growing up, so I just needed to start flexing my muscles and seeing where God lead, leads me. I share all this to show you that you aren't disqualified based on your past. You're not disqualified um, based on how much you may have messed up or how complacent maybe you've been over the years. All it takes is a decision to turn and um, partner with the Holy Spirit. Like I said, you don't have to focus on yourself. All, you're, all it does is demonstrate the goodness of God to take you from where you were at to where you're at. You don't have to know exactly what you have to do. That'll continue to become clear as you walk down this path of matching up your faith and your actions. It will require some risk, sacrifice. It may not look appealing initially, but as you start to experience it, it'll be more than worth it. Is this speaking to you like it is to me, or are you just enjoying me watching feel con convicted and <laughs> all right so where do we start at from here we're on board with matching up our faith and our actions where do we go from there and i believe we go the same way you would with any other adventure you start to prepare so that's part three is preparation first peter 1 says prepare your hearts and minds for actions galatians 6 8 the harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into the natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. There's a quote by Roald Amundsen. He once said, victory awaits him who has everything in order. Luck, people call it. Defeat is certain for him who has neglected to take the necessary precautions in time. This is called bad luck. Anyone know who Roald Amundsen is? You know who is? That's my middle name, Really? That's cool. Um, Roald Amundsen was the first person in modern history to reach the South Pole in 1911. He beat his competitor, Robert Falcon Scott, by 34 days. He lost the cool name challenge, but he won the, he won the adventure, he won the competition. <laughs> Both people had a lot of experience adventuring. They were of similar, similar age, but had very different results. The distance of traveling to the South Pole, South Pole from where they started was about the same as traveling to New York City, to Chicago, and back. So let's look at how these two prepared for their quest. Amundsen, back in 1899, biked from Norway to Spain to get a master's sailing certificate. 
That's about a 2,000-mile bike ride. He ate raw dolphin meat to determine its usefulness, how much energy you could get off of it. Because um, if you ever to get... If he were to ever get shipwrecked, so he knew he had the endurance, he had the strength from the biking, he had the knowledge and the energy supply because he figured dolphins would be around wherever he would get shipwrecked, I guess. Um, <laughs> he did an apprenticeship with Eskimos, put himself with people who lived in polar conditions for hundreds of years. He learned from them. He learned that Eskimos used dogs for their sleds. They uh, were never in a hurry which, good for the Eskimos, I like that. And they had loose-fitted clothing. He developed a philosophy that you don't have to wait until an unexpected storm to discover that you need more strength and endurance. Scott did not do all this extra chaining. He chose ponies over the dogs, which ponies sweat. That gets frozen on them, and they die. Ponies don't eat meat like dogs do, so the dogs can eat the wheat weaker dogs as they pass away to, keep, to get the energy going so they don't have to haul the sleds themselves because Scott also chose to use motor sleds. The motor's cracked. Those are use, useless now. So Scott and his team were left to haul the supplies themselves while Amundsen and his team could use the dogs. Scott had one ton of supplies and 17 men. Amundsen had three tons of supplies and just five men. You starting to see the picture develop here? So Amundsen beat Scott by 34 days, returned back to his base camp with enough supplies to go another 100 miles. Any guess as to what happened to Scott and his team of 17? Only five of them made it to the South Pole, and all five of them perished on their return. So if we are going to go on this adventure, on this mission of becoming peculiar pioneers, going to places where no one else has been before, then we need to prepare in a radical way or we could end up like Scott, arriving late to the destination and spiritually dying on our, on our way there. If Amundsen prepared for the fundamentals of living, like building strength and endurance, figuring out what he could eat and not eat to sustain him on the mission, and how to be best protected from the elements around him, shouldn't we do the same thing spiritually? diving in deeper to our relationship with Jesus who makes all this even possible, building our strength and endurance from the written and spoken word of God, gathering together as a unified family, providing a safe place to heal and recover. And we pray for guidance to navigate the storms. Um, and by doing this, we can move forward to where God is calling us to go, which I really hope is not the South Pole. Because <laughs> I, hate, I hate the cold. <laughs> Uh, one thing that it does weigh heavy on my heart is for us corporately to host and honor the Holy Spirit when he is here. For a people who know who they, who they are because they know who their God is. And we support each other in that and encourage each other in that. That is my heart for Praise Community Church at this time is us going forward together, leaning in on our faith, boldly taking action, and responding to what God is doing and preparing ourselves so we can follow where he is leading us. So if something has struck you this morning, maybe um, you feel like you are lacking a little faith, 
or you're feeling convicted about being lethargic or passive. Or maybe this whole peculiar pioneer thing has stirred something inside of you that you haven't really felt or um, experienced before. I want you to all come forward and pray together as one. And we'll break off and pray for individuals as well. Um, but I, I really feel like this is a unified thing for a family to go down. Whether it's five, 17, 100, I don't care. It's the people together preparing, getting the supplies necessary to succeed down on this mission. So if you want to get some Spotify music going, feel free. Um, I just want to pray together this morning and then um, transition into more ministry time together. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.